Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love. I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And we got a great question today, but before J.D., before I ask you uh, this question, I gotta uh, make a quick announcement. I said this last week, but just wanna keep reminding everybody, later this month, I'm gonna be taking a break from hosting the podcast. I'm having a baby, I'm very excited about it. So I'm gonna be on paternity leave. And Pastor J.D. was kind enough to line up writing a new book with my paternity leave so that he could do a limited run podcast for 13 weeks answering questions based on the book 12 Truths and a Lie that's gonna be coming out soon. So um, I'm not gonna be hosting, but JD's gonna be answering questions based on that book. If you're subscribed to this podcast, you don't have to do a single thing. This new limited run podcast is gonna stream right here on this feed. And then in the second week of December, we're gonna hop right back in with Ask Me Anything with your questions. Um, and so get excited for that. Make sure you order your copy of JD's new book and spread the word of this new limited podcast series uh, to your friends because it's gonna be a, a fun 13 weeks. So excited for that. Um, but we have a question today that is from a listener named Cameron. Cameron, thanks so much for um, your question. And JD, this is a good question for you to answer right now because we've actually been as the Summit Church going through a sermon series in James. So why does James say we're justified by works. JD, why does James say we're justified by works? Yeah, Cameron, that is a great question. It's one I hear a lot. It's one I used to ask a lot when I was a, um, a young um, college student, really, you know, first pressing into the Bible. Um, just so we're all clear, just so you see where the tension is, um, Romans 3.28, Paul says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, without the works of the law. Okay. So that's Paul, arguably the most significant apostle. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, crystal clear on that. James 2.24, written by Jesus's half-brother. Okay, so, you know, he's this is inspired by God as well, and James is a significant leader in the early church. He says, James 2.24, so you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So a lot of people see that, and they say, well, that's just a, a, a contradiction. In fact, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, the guy behind the Protestant Reformation who rediscovered, if you will, or helped the church recover the idea of justification by faith alone as taught by Paul, he was so troubled by this passage in James that he just concluded James was not really inspired by the Holy Spirit because he's contradicting Paul, and he, he called it an epistle of straw that you could glean a few good things from, but it's not to be treated on par with the rest of the Word of God. As much respect as I have for Martin Luther, let me tell you why that's that's not correct, that what James is teaching is not a contradiction to what Paul said. It's actually, it harmonizes. It's an important part of the discussion of what the faith that saves really is. And let me just jump straight to the punchline. Um, works for James and for Paul are the evidence of the decision to follow Jesus and to make him the Lord of your life. I always compare this to sitting down in, in a chair. Um, you know, I, I ask you, if you're sitting down right now, how do you know, how do you know that you made a decision to sit down in that chair? Well, it's probably not because you remember the mental processes you went through to sit down. You looked at the chair, kind of did a quick evaluation of whether or not it would hold the weight of your body. No, the best evidence that you made a decision to sit down in the chair is that you're, well, you're seated there now. That's proof that at some point you made the decision whether you remember or not. Well, in the same way, the best evidence that you've chosen to put faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior is that you are living a life of works that demonstrate that he is Lord and that he is your hope and that you are trusting in him. What James is saying is that if your mouth says that you've decided to follow Jesus, but your life says something different, your life is a better testimony of what you believe than, than your mouth is. Same thing with the chair, right? If I'm standing beside the chair and you're like, hey, why don't you sit down? You're like, I have sat down. 
And, 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 and you say, no, you haven't. You're standing up. I say, no, I remember clearly. I made the decision to sit down and I sat down. You would say, bro, you look at you. You're standing up. It doesn't matter how eloquently you can talk about the decision to sit down. The point is you're standing. Exactly. Well, that's James's point. The reality of our faith is demonstrated by the fact that we live with him as Lord. Another way of looking at this is that, is that good works are like life signs. If a doctor is trying to determine whether or not you're alive, he's, he's looking for these, these vital signs. Well, is it possible that someone could have these life signs and not be alive? Well, sure, they're not synonymous. I mean, you could, you can get a, a corpse to, you know, you can artificially pump blood and get it to breathe and that kind of stuff. But the point is, if you are alive, these signs will accompany life. It's not that life itself and signs are synonymous. It's that one is an indication of the other. In the same way, um, good works, loving people, loving God, and the, and the fruits of that are evidence that you have been truly made alive in Christ. Or as I've heard it said, you are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. That's really helpful. You know, it just so happens that as we're recording this, our church is in a series on the book of James. And coincidentally, one of our teaching pastors, Curtis Andresco, just addressed this question in his message on James 2. And I thought he did a great job um, explaining the, the, um, the, the, the tension here. If you want to find that message and listen to it, he even addressed the whole Paul and Romans versus James confusion directly. And he introduced this chart that I thought was really good about how Paul and James are using terms, the same terms, but slightly differently. When Paul says works, he means obedience and keeping these laws as a way of trying to earn or keep God's favor. When James uses the word works, he means deeds that are done out of gratitude for having received God's favor. Paul's focus is to fight um, what we call legalism, which is I have to keep all these rules to be saved. James's focus is to fight laxity, um, which says that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you just believe. That belief is just a mouth thing and a head thing, and it, it doesn't matter how you live. For Paul, when he uses the word justified, we are justified by faith apart from the works of the law. What he means by justified is made right with God. For James, when James says we're justified not only by faith but by works also, what he means by justified is the reality of our faith being proven before others. Good. For Paul, his focus is what takes place on the inside in salvation. And for James, his focus is on what takes place on the outside after salvation. There's a Bible teacher named Paige Benton Brown who I thought had an incredible analogy here. She talked about how Paul was describing the process of salvation more like an OBGYN, talking about how we are born into the kingdom. James is writing like a pediatrician. His goal is to talk about how we live out the faith after we've been born into it. We're born into the kingdom by faith alone, but after we are born into that kingdom, the evidence that we have decided to follow Jesus as Lord and that his spirit is inside of us is that we we do these good works. And just like you can't say that you've decided to sit down in a chair if you're still standing and never sat down, and just like you can't say that this person is alive if they're showing no vital signs, you can't say that you've put faith in Christ. You don't have a life that demonstrates that faith in Christ and obedience to his lordship. Both Paul and James point to um, a couple places in Abraham's life where we see this kind of dramatic faith obedience. The first one is Genesis 15, where God covenants with Abraham and promises to give him a son, even though he and Sarah are really old. And it says that there, Genesis 15, 6, that Abraham just believed God's promise and it was counted to him as righteousness. Then there's Genesis 22, where God calls Abraham to sacrifice that son, Isaac, on the altar. And Abraham is willing to do it, goes right up to the point that he's about to offer the sacrifice when God stops him, reveals a ram caught in the thicket, and says, Abraham, now I know that you love me, and now I know there's no limits to your faith. 
Paul points out that Genesis 15, 6 occurs before that dramatic act of obedience. All there was was a promise, and Abraham believed it. James points to Genesis 22 as the proof that Abraham had really decided to trust God and follow him because now he's willing to sacrifice that son in obedience if that's what God asks. So Paul is correct that faith is counted as righteousness before obedience. James is correct that the proof of that faith is the obedience that follows. That's where you see that Abraham's decision to trust God with everything is really true. So the bottom line, James and Paul do not contradict. They, they harmonize. And that's actually a really good principle to take whenever you see the Bible seeming to contradict itself. Usually, the greatest spiritual truth is, is found underneath what looks like a contradiction. When you press in and say, okay, I get it. We're saved by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. But the faith that saves is never alone. And those who have decided to trust Jesus as Lord will demonstrate that through the obedience of their life and will also demonstrate that by giving evidence of the Spirit at work in them producing these vital signs of life. All right, well, again, Jay, so so helpful. Um, you know, it's cool to, uh, again, we've been going through this sermon series on James at the Summit. It's been very interesting to dive into this book that has a lot of interesting things to say, but does have some some hard-hitting lines that are sometimes a little hard to grapple with. So thanks for unpacking that for us. Um, like I said at the beginning, uh, later this month, we're going to be shifting to this limited-run podcast series uh, with Pastor JD answering questions based on his new book, 12 Truths and a Lie. And so we would love for you to, if you're on this feed, everything's going to come straight here. You don't have to do a single thing to hear this podcast and hear these questions. Um, we would definitely encourage you to go pre-order JD's book. Um, and we will be back with Ask Me Anything questions in the second week of December. So enjoy the Limited Run podcast, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Mm-hmm.